a few years ago, Amanda and I were in Prague. Amanda here, my wife, were married. Uh, Amanda and I were in Prague on January the 6th, which is today's date. Uh, and we noticed on that day, January the 6th, uh, that morning, lots of school children walking to school dressed as kings uh, and wearing paper crowns, a bit like that stock photo there. And that was because um, today's date is Epiphany. Epiphany is officially the end of the 12 days of Christmas. And it's a date in the church's calendar when we remember the occasion when the wise travelers visited Jesus. Now, there are some interesting Epiphany customs. Let me tell you some of them. Uh, the first is this, Epiphany singing. Turns out it's an actual thing. And in certain parts of the world, like Russia and bits of Europe and other interesting places, on today's day, people would like nothing better than to dress up in some glad rags like that. You need an Epiphany star. That's the star that the travelers followed. And you go out and you sing Epiphany uh, songs. Uh, so, for example, one of, the things that we, one of the songs we sing as a Christmas carol, We Three Kings, is actually an Epiphany song. It's, it's a song reserved for Epiphany and that story uh, of the wise travelers coming to see Jesus. That's the first, Epiphany singing. Uh, the next is this, chalking the door and blessing the house. Now, I wondered if Amanda noticed this, because this is our house. So Amanda was out this morning early doing a run. Uh, Philip, the others were in bed. And um, so I thought, I'll do it. Let's not talk about it. Let's actually bless the house. Let's chalk the door and bless the house. Now, this is, a, this is like an orthodox Christianity thing. I've got a new friend uh, I met in Kentucky uh, last year, and he's a Russian Orthodox church planter. It's like all of my favorite things, all wrapped up. So he's been like educating me in some of this stuff, because the thing about being Orthodox is there is a lot of detail. There's a lot of detail. So he, he trained me in how to do uh, a proper orthodox chalking of the doorstep. And actually, I have got, I brought some chalk, and if you want to go home and bless your house, just like what I did with mine, you can have some chalk and do it. I did it earlier at Burnham. Some people took chalk. They're probably chalking their house right now, bringing in the blessing. And uh, the way I was taught to do it is you write these letters CMB, and the CMB could stand for some of the thought names associated um, with these wise travelers, Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. But it also stands for a Latin blessing, which is Christus Mansionem Benedictat, which means Jesus bless my house, or thereabouts. And then I put the year. But you can make up your own. You could do all sorts. So that's the second interesting epiphany fact. The third is this, three kings cake. I had my first experience this time last year, and it's amazing. Now, I've tried a few, actually. A few people have given me different ones. Uh, you can get Swiss, uh, there's German, there's a Russian. Okay, my advice, always get the French. Okay, the German's a bit dry, the Russian's a bit potatoey. The, the French, they know how to do an epiphany cake. So if you ever get an epiphany cake, get a French one. And then the fourth unusual uh, epiphany fact is this, open air winter baptisms and reaffirmation of baptismal faith. 
And that's a thing that's done on Epiphany in Orthodox churches, a lot of it in Russia. In fact, I think last year the president issued a presidential warning about the dangers of this type of baptism and reaffirmation um, of faith. Now, I checked the water in Scarborough today is three degrees. So, you know, we could, we could go for it. We've done it, haven't we, Holly? We've done, we've done C, C hardcore baptism. So it wouldn't be a first. So maybe this time next year, G2 City, we rock out to Scarborough. And they also do this other thing. Um, Orthodox priests often carry a lot of bling, and they often have a gold cross. There's a lot of kissing that takes place. And one of the things that might happen is the priest might throw the gold cross into the water, and then it's like a competition. Who can dive down and get it? And then, like, if you get it, you win a prize, or you get, like, an extra good year, or I don't quite know how it works. So maybe we could try some of these things, G2, um, when we get to Epiphany this time next year. The word Epiphany means manifesting, appearing, and it's associated with this story of these travelers coming to Jesus, because it's as if that was the occasion when Jesus was made known to the people of other nations, because these travelers were internationals. They weren't from the local area. They traveled a long way. We don't actually know how many kings came. What we do know is there were three gifts, but there could, be, there could have been any number of travelers. Some traditions say there were 12. Some say there were three. Um, we don't know if, if they were men. They probably were but it could have been men or women. So there's, lot, there's lots of things we don't know about these intriguing visitors to Jesus that we commemorate on this day. We do know they're called magi. And, and magi is the word from which we get magio, from which we get magic. So they were kind of seen as, and in the ancient world, magic and science were often associated in the same uh, idea. If you knew some science you knew some of the magic of the universe. You knew how things worked. You, you, touched, you touched the wisdom of God. So these were magi. They were stargazers because they followed a star to find Jesus. Um, they were almost certainly educated and wealthy. Very few people would have been able to take such a long amount of time off to fund a journey like that. And they were, they were probably quite inspired. Like we, you know, when you know the end of the story, it's fine. Like, oh yeah, and they find Jesus. But they kind of set off on this peculiar journey. I mean, imagine them telling their friends, yeah, we're going to just give up our jobs, travel for a few years. We're just going to follow that star. We think at the end, we might find the savior of the world or something. We don't know. Don't really know. Don't really know how long. Don't know where we're going. Don't know where we'll end up. Don't know when we'll be back. It was quite a bold thing that they did. So they were, they were people who had enough leisure about them to be able to do that. We don't know where they came from. Uh, the Bible just says they were from the east. So that would have been basically Persia. Um, when I was at university, I shared in my second year with uh, a house with uh, an Iraqi uh, called Said. Hi, Said, if you're listening. And um, he... He was an interesting chap, and he didn't know many things about Christianity, but one of his big claims was that the three wise men were from his local town because he had read the bit in the Bible that said they came from Iraq. Now, it doesn't say Iraq. It just says the East, but he was convinced he had unique revelation on the uh, origins of these magi. So there's, there's lots that we don't know about these travelers, but let me tell you what I think we can capture from their story that's relevant for us today. 
They were a group of people who were inspired to devote years of their lives to go together on a journey to discover and follow Jesus so that they could bow down and worship him and be blessed and give generous gifts. And they did this because they were inspired by the generosity of God. So today we start a new series at the beginning of the year called Generosity Adventure. And in this series, we're going to consider some of the ways in which God inspires us as people to be generous with our lives. Um, We won't cover every type of generosity, in fact, only a few. Partly that's because there isn't time to do that in a short series, but partly also because uh, we're also launching today our year of generosity. And so we wanted to take a whole year to think, what would it look like for us as a community to think about generosity for the whole of our year? To think about how generous God is to us, how we can be generous to one another, and how the calling on our lives is actually not to gather and to meet for us, but to actually be generous in looking out to the world. And so in that sense, the idea has been deliberately unfinished. It's for each of us individually, for each family, for each group, for each activity, for each of the services to think through what does it mean this year for us to be connected to the generosity of God. And this series also reminds us that this idea of generosity begins in the character of God. It's an idea that's at the heart of the message of Jesus, and it's something that can characterize the lives of people who are discovering and following Jesus. And we also want to hear the stories of generosity. We want to hear your stories of how God has been generous to you, or how you were inspired or enabled to be generous to someone else, or how an act of generosity maybe had a way of showing or revealing the love of God to somebody who could find that out. Here's how one person, Paul, one of the key leaders in the early church, phrased it when he wrote to one church to inspire them to help another church that was living in the midst of famine. He said this, God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you are ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As the psalmist has put it, he, that's God, throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right-living, right-giving ways never run out and never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into fully formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. This sounds like an adventure to me. A little bit scary, maybe some cautions, but something exciting, something worth stepping into. Now, as I was thinking about this talk, I thought about, and as Adam's hinted already, some gestures that help us get our heads round how this idea of generosity comes to be embodied in our lives. And I've got four gestures which you will participate with me in. Okay, are you ready? Here's the first. Our first gesture looks like this. Everyone do this. 
well done. You can keep it there if you want, or you can put it down. That's our first gesture, is open-handed worship. That is a biblical posture. For example, Psalm 63 says this, In your name I will lift my hands. By the way, when the, when the Jews and when others uh, read and sang the Psalms, they would have done the actions. Uh, if it said lift your hands, they would have lifted their hands. If it said kneel down, it, they would have knelt down. So we know Jesus will have prayed or sung this psalm. He will have, he will have used this gesture in worship himself. And think about the opposite. What's the opposite of that wonderful, open, expressive, expectant gesture of worship? Maybe our hands behind our backs. Kind of held back, locked down. It's, it's hard to engage with that idea of worship if our body posture pulls us in the other way. Because worship is an engagement with the generous God. The wonderful, giving God. And so we, we open ourselves to God in worship. That's what worship looks like. Generosity begins with finding God. So even our mental picture of how we think about God matters because that picture will inform our posture and our behavior. Do we think of God as generous or do we think of him as a bit mean, a bit, bit tight-fisted? Um, I mean, I've been thinking about space has been in the news the last few weeks, um, lots of missions to Mars and the moon and things like that. And if you, you know, if you think about those things, God doesn't do any of that by halves, does he? There are a hundred billion stars in our galaxy and a hundred billion galaxies estimated in the universe. Somebody did a song in it on it, didn't they? A like, hundred billion galaxies. That, know that one? I keep thinking, interestingly, like one day Hubble will do an update and there'll be like newsflash, it's now 101 billion. So they'll have to like rewrite the song and add a, like an extra beat in it or something. Just It won't quite be as good. It won't sell as much. Yeah, no. But you get the point. But there's a throwaway line in Genesis where it says, and God also made the stars. God is generous. As we look around us, as we look at the created world, as we look at what God has made, we see evidence of the generosity of God. Okay, let's all do this. You won't need to say anything, but let, um, close your eyes. And I want you to just, in your mind, find an image of God. Whatever naturally comes to you. Okay, you can open your eyes. Now, here's my question. And you don't need to say, but just say it to yourself. What, what was that image of God like? Was it, what was the body language in that image of God that you had? Was it closed, passive, when I did this, I did it yesterday, I found a quiet moment to do it, and, I, and then I thought my picture of God was quite stern-faced, sitting down, arms on his knee. A really passive picture. And I thought, do you know what? I need to improve my internal picture of God. Because that's, that's not a full description of him. He's the generous, active, giving God. He's not got a straight face. He's smiling. He's leaning in. He's encouraging me. That's the kind of person he is. My picture of God is not helping me enter into the calling that God has put 
on my lives. Sometimes the idea of generosity as, as people can fill us with a bit of nervousness. We squirm a little bit inside when we think about generosity. Maybe we worry about, you know, will I have enough time? Do I have enough energy to be generous with people? Do I, do I have enough money or resources to be uh, generous? Perhaps I better play it safe and, and ration myself and my resources. And I have a theory that it's in, it's in the truest acts of worship when we discover our most openness to the idea of generosity. Think about John Newton, the reformed slave trader who wrote that song, Amazing Grace. And in it, it has the line, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we'll have no less days to sing his praise than when we've first begun. Can you feel the generosity that's potent in those words? He doesn't say, when we've been there two months, we might carry on another month of worshiping. He's like, 10,000 years. Um, Charles Wesley, John Wesley's brother, had a similar experience. He was on his uh, sick bed, uh, and he received a letter from his brother John, and his brother John was writing to him about a Bible study he had been in, and the letter so encouraged him in God that he kind of recovered, and out of his recovery and kind of picked up some of the words that were in his letter, he wrote a song. That's what Charles basically did with everything, by the way. Whatever he heard John say, he wrote a song about it. There are thousands of them. He was very good at it. And in this song, he wrote the words, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King and the triumphs of his grace. So again, it's, he didn't like, oh, for two tongues, that'll be enough. You know, me and another one to praise God. He's like, a thousand tongues. Let's worship that generous God. So generosity begins with who God is. We cannot outgive God. And in a sense, to, to understand in fullness what generosity is, we need to get to God in worship in order to discover. Okay, uh, our next gesture is this. Now, hold those hands out as long as you like. That's a gesture of receiving. Receiving. Oh. Who's receiving? Oh, I can't walk past my wife. <laughs> Sorry, there you go, darling. That's two. <laughs> <Not> for you. <laughs> Sarah, could you give some more out for me? Just pick your favorites, whoever you like most, if you can give those out. So that's our second gesture, is receiving. And it would be hard to signify to our bodies receiving from God if our hands were like this, in our pockets. When someone has that gesture, it's, it's a closed, I'm not, I don't want something. It's a, it's a retreating in self gesture. And God is the biggest giver, and God wants to give generously to us. He doesn't just want us to know that he's like this abundant God. He also says, I want, I want to give to you. I, I, want to, I want to give you stuff. I want to be like generous to you. Ephesians 2, 4 says this, for by grace you've been saved through faith and not yourselves. It's a gift from God. I remember years ago, um, uh, I hadn't been a Christian long and some friends said to me, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? 
And I had no idea what they meant, so I just said, yes. So it turned out they pray for you. And um, I didn't really feel anything apart from awkward. Um, but I think I got filled with the Spirit. But what, and then I went to the supermarket, but, and, I, and, I, and I was like a different man. And I remember looking at the tomatoes and going, thank you, God, for making tomatoes for me. And chocolate and milk. Oh, and bread. Thank you, Lord. And I remember being more grateful for my friends and like, oh, thank you, my university. Thank you for my lecturers, even the ones I hate. And exams. And, and, and it was like receiving something from God activated something in me. I don't know if you caught the news. There was a lottery win. I don't, I don't follow the lottery, by the way, but I follow the news. So it was in the news. And there was a, there was a big lottery win over the new year. And uh, £114 million pounds in the whichever lottery. But the winners were in Northern Ireland. Francis and Patrick Connolly. 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 Okay, if you want to write to them. I haven't got their address. Um, I might invite them to one of the boards I sit on as donors. No. Um, and I, I listened to the video interview with Patrick. It was really interesting. And I wrote down some of the things he said. Patrick, 54, said this. I'm healthy. I have a wonderful wife, a fantastic family, and many wonderful friends. We are going to enjoy giving virtually all of this money away. We have already made a list of more than 50 people, many of whom would not imagine that they're even on our list. What an incredible story to hear. And a little illustration of how, in a good place, receiving can be poured out of us to others. Not receiving to keep, to hoard, but receiving to then pass on and bless to others. And I think it's kind of important that we remember that step. If we just try to be generous without going to God and receiving from God, then actually our acts of generosity can very easily become ways to try and please God, to earn a bit of respect or to impress someone or even to ourselves or to try and impress God and oh God look how good I am and perhaps you're going to love me and it needs to be the other way around God needs to say I really love you let me pour my love into you and now I can I can enable you to go and be generous in a really healthy way where actually you're not looking to get anything about out of it you're just looking to go do you know what I feel really good about God I want to give away I want to bless others so that that was our first two. Our third gesture is this. Um, oh, hang on. Mr. Page. Uh, our third gesture is this. Hold out your hands like you're going to shake hands. Let me shake some hands. Hello there. Give me a high five. Hello. Nice to meet you. Hello. How are you? So lovely to meet you. Hi. I'm a bit awkward doing the high five. I'm, not, I'm just not that cool. Okay. So, that... That's a gesture of being open and generous with other people. And what's the opposite of that? The arms folded. The closed posture that says, I don't want to interact. I don't want to connect with other people. But there is a gesture, an openness of our lives, where we are active in connecting with others. And what's in our hearts is interacting and shared and passed on to other people. And I think probably most of us are 
are drawn to people who are generous-hearted. I don't mean people who give you money. I mean people who are generous-hearted. I think there's something about being around people like that that it's almost as if they activate the best in you or the better of you. And we can kind of spur one another on. It's not like we're trying to compete against each other, like who's the winner of the most generous. It's like, it's like a team sport. Like we're, we're encouraging one another, spurring one another on to good works. Just before Christmas, I went to um, a funeral of uh, uh, a really good friend. He was, he was the best man at our wedding and uh, someone I lived with for a few years. Uh, and I went to um, his funeral. And in the funeral, there was a section where people could come up and say something. First the family and then a few friends. And then it was open to anyone. And I went to say something. And what I realized, it, it became obvious really quickly, everyone was basically saying the same thing. Nobody spoke about his work, by the way. Nobody said he was really good at email, you know, or, or, or you know, anything like that. People spoke about his generous heart. And they all basically said he was a lovely person. He had time for others. People in his lives mattered. He was there for me when I needed him. He, he helped me when I needed some help. I kind of sat there thinking, I wonder if my funeral will, will meet this bar. Will people queue up and say, Christian, he was a generous-hearted person. Will I, will I do as well as my friend did? At his, not that I'm competing with him. But, <laughs> but do you see the point? There's something so important, something really precious about what it looks like when generosity is, is, is imbibed in our hearts and how it affects and helps other people. And the last gesture is this. Stretch out your hand, like far from you, far from you. The, the, the gesture of giving. What's the opposite? Maybe it's my wallet. Maybe this is the opposite. That's one gesture. That's the opposite. Um, I've got my, this is my cat, my diary, and everything else. Do, is my diary like this? It's my time. I need, I need to be, I need to ration my time. Haven't got enough. Or is it like this? Hey, God, I can be generous with my time. You've been generous to me. When we've been worshiping the generous God, when we receive from the generous God, when we've shared our lives with other people, then, then the giving of stuff, of money, of things, of our resources can become just a natural expression of our lives. And we can find that generosity can be normal. And it's a journey we can all go on. Jesus put it like this. He said, when you give to people in need, you don't need to let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He's saying, you don't need to ration your giving. You can just be like, I can be generous. I can be generous. I can be generous. I don't need to worry. I don't need to, you know, control it. I don't need to, hey, I need to hoard this. I haven't got enough time. I haven't got enough energy. We kind of discover what 1 Chronicles 29 says, which says, all things come from you, God, and of your own do we give you. So the stuff is all God's anyway. It's not ours. We're just stewarding it. We're just looking after it, trying to put it to its best uses according to what God wants us to do. Let me take you back to where we began and this idea that it begins with God. At the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we're told uh, that God made people in his image. 
Now, it doesn't mean we are like full of God's power and, and immortal and all that. But it, it, it means that, that something of the, the, the divine heart was intended for us. And we have some of that, and it's almost like that's the journey we go on as well. We can, and and that, we can see that in Jesus embodied in a person. But it's the divine heart of God that's been put in us. And I think because God's generous, it's in who he is that generosity is part of our journey of discovering who God is and participating in God with that. And my heart is that this year we discover some of the supernaturalness of that, that we don't need to worry. We worry too much about our budget and whether we've got enough and, you know, counting the pennies and what can we do and what can't we do. And it's almost like we need to just let something switch and flip and say, do you know what? God... You've got all the resources for everything that you want us to do. And you probably have more in store for us than our small plans are probably expecting anyway. So let's, let's go on the adventure of discovering that with God. Let me finish with this. You probably know the, the parable of the talents, it's called. It's in Matthew 25. And it's one of those parables where Jesus kind of does a bit of uh, uh, economic thinking. And he describes uh, a, a traveler who's, who's probably meant to represent God. And he's saying, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a man, he's got to go off on a journey. So he gets three servants together. He gives one five talents, which is an amount of money. Another gets two, and another gets one. And then he goes on a, a journey and says, I'll, be, I'll come back. The one that got five went, wow, invested it, did something with it. And when the traveler came back, he'd taken five and made it ten. So he got another five. The one that got two did the same. I don't know why one gets five and one gets two. Maybe it's just a bit of a reality pill that God's saying life is not uniform. Sometimes that person looks like they've been given more. Maybe they had. But, but, that's, but God deals with us individually on that stuff. So another one gets two, and that person with two invests it, makes something of it. When the traveler comes back, he said, here's your two and another two. And then the third servant, the bad servant, He was given one, and the bad servant buried it in the ground. And when the master comes back, he digs it up and goes, there you go, you gave me one, so it's one back. I've done what I need to do. Here's what what Jesus says about that person. He says, "The the servant that was given the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you were a hard man. This is an allegory of God. This is a person talking to God about their picture of who God is. I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you didn't scatter seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid the talent that you gave me in the ground. So here, have back what was yours. I think we can step into this. We can go to the left or the right. We can be like the one that went, hey, thanks for what you have given me, God, and I want to go on an adventure with it. Or we can be like the one who goes, God's pretty mean. We might run out. I'll bury it in the ground, keep it, and then I'll give God back what he gets when he comes back. It's like two heart attitudes. And we can get really worried about what we can't give 
And I think the key is to think, what can you give? All of us can give so much. We can give our love. We can give patience. We can give our prayers for other people. We can give practical help. We can give encouraging words. We can give chocolate. We can give acts of service. We can give our time to other people. We can share our stuff. We can share our lives. We can share our money and our resources. And I just wonder if God actually even this week can give us all an opportunity to step, even in a small way, into this adventure of knowing the generosity of God's heart. Can I just pray for us all? Father, we thank you. You are the wonderful God who spoke an abundant creation into being. You've poured out goodness into our lives, and you have even more in store than we can ask or imagine. And we want to go on a personal and a corporate adventure to discover more of your heart of generosity. Not so that we have more, but so we can give more. So that our church and our lives can affect, in good ways, many more people. So we commit this next week to you to go on a little test, to have an opportunity to step into generosity and see what you can do. Amen. Can we stand and worship God?